Very good morning to you all. It's Church at Home at Christchurch Midrand. We're still obviously in lockdown. We're still alive and we're still Christians. So welcome. My name is Martin. I'm the rector of Christchurch Midrand. If you are new to our service this morning, a very warm welcome. It's lovely to have you with us and I'm so pleased that you're able to join us. We're going to be singing some songs and I hope you can join in as we sing. Uh, we're going to be praying and reading God's Word, and then Royden's going to be opening up God's Word to us. And this morning we're looking at Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 5 to verse 14. But before we do anything else, let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. Let's pray together. Almighty Heavenly Father, we do come to you this morning so that we may meet with you, the living God, the eternal God, the unchanging God. And Father, in these changing times in which we live, we thank you that you are unchanging. We thank you, Lord, that you are on your throne and that you have not shifted one inch from your throne and your rule over this world. We thank you, Father, that you not only laid the foundations of the earth, but you will bring this world to an end as we know it, in your good time and in your good purposes. So Lord, help us to trust in you, help us to rest in you, and help us to learn from you. And so Lord, meet with us this morning as we sing together and pray together and listen to your word. And we pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. This morning we're taking a trip down memory lane, singing some of the songs that we've recorded on our previous albums. We start off with a reminder that he who lives inside of us, if we love the Lord Jesus, that he is greater than anything that we will face in the world. Our second one is a call to remind each other of what the Lord Jesus has done and to sing it together, even if we can't be together. And finally, we sing of how we will wait patiently on the Lord, waiting for him with our hands and our hearts lifted high. Won't you join us as we sing?
morning church family. My name is Derek and I will be leading us into prayer this morning. The prayer for this morning is from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Let us continue in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much that we have a living God who cares for us and who is ultimately in control in spite of all the chaos around us. Father, where we are faced with lots of uncertainty and fear, we thank you, Lord, that by your Spirit, you can give us a peace, Father, that surpasses all understanding. And, Lord, that you can guide us and be, Father, the, the rock that we need to rely on. Father, in this difficult time, Lord, we pray for all our family members in our church. And we ask, Lord, that you will continue, Father, to bless us and keep us. Father, to give us provision in this time. And Father, to give us, Lord, the surety that you will always be with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I'd like to pray, Lord, for our country. And I'd like to ask, Lord, that you will continue, Father, to give wisdom to our leaders. Father, thank you, Lord, that you have given our president the wisdom to make the right decisions in these difficult times. Father, please continue to do so, Lord, and help us, Father, to submit, Father, to the rules that we have to all comply with. Father, give us the strength, Lord, to be the light and the salt to this world. And Father, help us to remain faithful to you and faithful to our family, to encourage them and to love them, Father, and also, Father, to continue by whatever means possible to spread your gospel to all the earth. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, I'm back again with some family news and family update. But uh, first of all, you'll see the books behind me. I'm in my office and uh, you can see the books here. They're not quite in the order they should be. So after the lockdown, if there's someone who wants to come and catalog them in Dewey and uh, put them in order, that'll be fantastic. I'm here in my office and uh, I've got Proud behind the camera and we're keeping our social distancing. He's got his mask on, so you don't have to worry about that. Let me update you some uh, some family news. I thought I'd use the whiteboard because you all love the whiteboard and I love the whiteboard. So let's have a look at the family news. 
and uh, just give you a update. First of all, hashtag join the family. Now, you may be saying to yourself, how on earth can we join the family when we are in lockdown? Well, we have life groups. We have many, many life groups all over Gauteng. All of them meet midweek. Now, normally we meet in people's homes, but during lockdown, we are meeting on Zoom. So if you're not yet a member of one of our life groups, you need to join one of our life groups. And if you go onto our website, all of the life groups are list listed there, and uh, you can find your geographic area and then contact the leader, and then he will draw you in onto their WhatsApp. And if you want to be part of the Zoom meetings, you can do so. Also, just to say, with the life groups, uh, every, every Sunday after church, um, they have a, a uh, what is it called? It's called a coffee something. It's called a coffee hangout. Here we go. Um, so after church, all the life groups meet together, and uh, they meet uh, individually on Zoom, coffee hangout. Let me get it right. And they discuss what they've just heard from the sermon. So that's another great way to meet up with your life group after Sunday church and to chat and to fellowship. Second notice. So there we have join the family. Well done, Martin. You got that mainly right. Photos to Gareth. Now you you you're all getting very tired of seeing people like like um, like David and Reggie and and Royden and myself. And we'd like you to send your photographs or your videos, and uh, we will show some of them after the service uh, every week. So if you can show and send short videos, photographs, T's and C's apply, and then we will put them on the service after Sunday so that we can see each other. One of the things we really miss is being with each other and seeing each other. So why don't you send it in, send it through to Gareth. Um, you can get the details from the website or you can phone Helen at the church office. Well done, Martin. You got that one right. Third one, Bible reading plan. We really believe that God speaks to us through his word. So we speak to God when we pray and we talk to God. When we talk to God, we pray. That's what prayer is. And God talks to us through his word and through his spirit. And so we've got a Bible reading plan tied in with our preaching series uh, in the book of Hebrews. And uh, we really would encourage you to go onto the Bible reading plan where you will read uh, two chapters per day at least. And then also some of the Old Testament passages that Hebrews uh, quotes so that together we can read through the book of Hebrews and we can grow as a church family as we study God's word. So do go on to that, that, uh, that Bible reading plan, which is, uh, which is on the website. There we go. Um, third one. Fourth one. <laughs> Daily, I'm not very good at this. Daily devotions. Um, every day there is a separate devotion for written by one of our ministers or by Rosie Moore, that we put onto the church at home, onto the website, so that we are finding spiritual food. We need spiritual food at this time. And these daily devotions are a great help. There's some great stuff on the daily devotions, which is on your website. All right, done that one. Teens and kids. Kids, there is a fantastic parents, moms, dads. There's some great stuff on our church at home for kids 
there's Bible teaching, there's games, there's crafts, uh, there's a family devotion once a week on the book of Hebrews that we've been studying both in church and amongst the children and at life groups. And uh, you can use that to teach your children the Bible and the gospel. The teens have got some fantastic stuff. I've been looking at the website and uh, every Sunday there's a teen sermon. And we've just had two two great sermons by Black and Gareth. It was called... Um, He's still got the wheel. And uh, two great sermons. You need to listen to them, even if you're not a teenager. Um, so they're great sermons every week for the teens. Uh, there's also Zoom meetup uh, meet for the different grades. And then there'll be a live Zoom Q&A at the end of this month. And then you also need to notice with the teens, there's a special TikTok um, uh, feature on the on the uh, church at home for teenagers. TikTok is a one minute movie. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud to say that I did my premiere TikTok movie this last week. And uh, fortunately it's only one minute long and uh, teens do go and have a look at those TikTok. There's some great devotions, great teaching by some great people and even some old people. So there we go. I think we've got all the notices. I didn't make too much of a hash up. Uh, I hope you got it all. There we go. Family news. God bless you. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the service. Great. Um, good morning, Christchurch Midland, and welcome to Church at Home. Uh, David here, and today I'm joined with uh, Gavin from my room, uh, my son's room. Uh, he's in his uh, living room, and we are uh, just coming to mm. encourage you and just Tell you a bit about the business that Gavin runs and how uh, that's been affected by COVID-19. So it is great to have you join us, Gavin. Um, uh, welcome to, to you. Mm. Thanks, David. And hello to the whole Christchurch Midrand family. Yeah. Um, so, Gavin, you've been a member of Christchurch Midrand for uh, about 10 years now. Uh, you run yeah. one of our live groups, uh, and you also run a, yeah. um, a business. Um, so just tell us a bit about uh, your business. Right. So I run a family business that specializes in the manufacturing of artists, canvases, and frames. Um, mm. In fact, yeah, behind me, you can see um, a landscape by yeah. one of our artists. Um, yeah. So we, we stretch the canvas for him to paint on, and we make the frame. So it's really something quite beautiful. And oh, I, I wish I could be there now. Yes, we all wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so our company is such that we work directly with the professional artist or gallery. Okay. As you can imagine, this is a very niche business yeah. and somewhat dependent on the economics of the country. And in fact, the world, as many of our artists are overseas. But art is essentially a luxury item. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's mm. hurt us all. Like, it's hit us all. The oil mm. markets are crashing. Mm. Uh, business is mm. tough. Uh, so I'm sure you're mm. experiencing some of those, um, like, challenges. Um, what what, mm. is, what, what mm. does it look like for you and, and, and running a business at this time? Right. So, right. so we employ 15 people, and certainly our most immediate and pressing concern was wages. Mm. over this lockdown period and the effect of overhead expenses on, on our cash balances. Mm. 
So combined with this was the very real worry that comes from uh, a very uncertain future. Uh, what will the next few months look like? Will we have an economy in a year's time? Uh, literally overnight, the, con the concern shifted from profits to pure survival. Mm. Uh, survival for the business and for those who are dependent on it. So I found this time as being fraught with uh, wrestling my own and my staff's uh, fluctuating emotions, uh, from praising government's decisions to questioning government decisions, uh, yeah. from hoping lockdown will end soon to hoping lockdown won't end soon, yeah, if, you yeah. can, if you can believe that, yeah. uh, to just generally feeling overwhelmed by the knock-on effects of all of this, mm. as I'm sure many of us are. Uh, so, I mean, there's a certain hope about, like, being Christian, certain, like, something that anchors yeah. um, our hope even in those challenging times. Uh, for you, like, what has that been? How, how has being a Christian shaped the way that you um, interact with this thing? Right, so I read a passage a week or so ago from the book of Corinthians, and it really struck me, and as I sit here and talk to you, it still sits in the forefront of my thinking. Uh, I shared it with some in our church family. I was hoping to share it with all of us now. Um, so if everyone can open their Bibles uh, and go to 1 Corinthians. So give me half a chance, David, and I'll, I'll do this morning's sermon for us as well. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so from 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, uh, it reads like this. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Mm. So just meditate on that for a moment. So for me, asking what is the, the loving thing to do here should be a Christian's default mode. Mm. And for me, it cuts through all the noise and self-doubt that even if all of this blows up, uh, at least we suffered for doing good rather than suffered for doing bad. Um, I wish it was that straightforward. Uh, if you have been a Christian for any amount of time, you'll know that we are intrinsically self-centered and self-serving. Mm. Personally, I've been wrestling with this question as I fight my own nature. So what do we do? Uh, we wrestle, we meditate, we watch, examine, mm. persevere, we confess, Resist, submit, and above all, pray for daily grace. And I just thank Jesus that He's faithful, yeah. even when we are not. Yeah. Um, so look, life on earth is a wilderness and, and seldom simple. Mm. Each day we face unexpected difficulties. And I found that even blessings can knock us off our path. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But in it all, God works to change and mature us. And I've seen God's hand more at work, um, counter, almost counterintuitively, during the most difficult times. Yeah. Uh, it is the most remarkable thing that we do not simply survive the heat, but can bear good fruit. Um, that no matter what you face today, you can be encouraged that God's good work continues in your life, even even when you don't see it. So just, just think about that for a moment. You can have peace, even though you don't know how today's drama will end or sure. what tomorrow will bring. Mm. And I think that helps those who depend on you, that you carry the sense of hope 
and peace. Uh, not from anything you have or can do, but mm. because of your dependence on Christ. And I must say, uh, in all of this, somewhat surprisingly, I felt uh, massively blessed um, to be part of a life group, yeah. part of the Santon Life Group. Uh, it has been such a source of encouragement, uh, something that has stayed true in a ever-changing environment. And yeah. just what a privilege to be part of the Christchurch Midrand family, to see some of our members getting involved with the community and living the Christian life in a, in a very real way. So I feel massively blessed to see this, uh, to enjoy the support from friends, family, and good, solid Christian brothers and sisters. And mm. you ask, can we can we still be effective for the gospel during this time? And I think now more than ever, uh, as Royden yeah. highlighted Churchill's uh, quotes some weeks back, never never waste a good crisis. And this is a very good yeah. one. So let's yeah. not waste it. Um, Indeed. Eh? So I sit here and I still sit in relative comfort, and mm. I think my prayer is for those who whose unknown is a little bit more unknown or a little bit more immediate than mine, and and my prayer is for them. Yeah, no, I mean, thanks, Gavin. That is so powerful yeah. and and very encouraging. Mm. Um, and I mean. Uh, we do realize that God has also mm. blessed us that we don't think of ourselves only during this time. Mm. Um, that we mm. remember, as we always pray, remember the needs of um, others. And I think that's what we called mm. for as, as, as Christians. Mm. Um, but I just mm. want to end off by uh, thanking you mm. and uh, just praying for you mm. and those who are, um, who mm. are in need. Uh, and if anyone is around the Santin area, I'm sure they can get in, in touch with, uh, mm. with you. Um, just yeah. contact the church um, and we'll give you uh, some of the details of the life group um, but let mm. me pray for, for us as a country, mm. for you uh, and for mm. those who are who are yeah. in need let's bow our mm. heads uh, Lord thank you so much for uh, Gavin's life and for uh, his trust in you um, pray for uh, his business Lord and those who, uh, who you've placed under his care uh, pray that you give him the wisdom to be sacrificial at this time um, that you uh, would help him be wise in how to navigate this time. Uh, but also pray for those who are in need and less fortunate, mm. uh, that we, uh, no matter what um, we face, we would be mindful of those and not just think of ourselves. Uh, so do help us. And as Gavin said, we pray for uh, much grace, Father, to face um, um, this time. Uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, family. My name is Reggie, and it's great to be together for Church at Home. I do hope that you have enjoyed, that you have been encouraged and built up from our time together this morning. And I'm here to remind us of the great privilege and responsibility that we as God's people, we as a family, have to give to God's mission. Our mission. What is this mission, you may ask? Well, the mission is to see the people of Midrand becoming disciples who make disciples. And God invites us and instructs us to give towards this mission, his mission, our mission. Now, there are two ways in which you can give here at Christchurch Midrand. 
You can give either via EFT or SNAP scan. Not checked. Both our banking details and the SNAP scan barcode will appear on the screen and it'll give you some time to take down those details. And while you do that, let me remind you that we value and we are grateful for your giving towards this mission, God's mission, our mission. Do have a lovely Sunday. Good morning, church family. My name is Vicky, and today I will be doing the Bible reading, which comes from Hebrews 1, verse 5 to 14. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will row them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering, spirits sent out to serve, for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everybody. Uh, it's really good to be with you. We've already prayed, so I'm going to jump straight in. When I say the word mediator, what do you think of? Some of us will jump straight to the CCMA, the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration. And that's a helpful link in some ways. Uh, because mediation implies two parties, and they are at loggerheads. So at the CCMA, it's the employer and the employee, and the commission is the mediator. That helps us understand the role of a mediator. The mediator's role is to bring the two parties together, because the very fact that they need mediation tells us that there's distance between them. As a married couple, you don't go for mediation on your honeymoon. At least I hope you didn't. Mediation is only necessary when there is some distance. And that distance is the ground between the two parties. That's the distance the mediator has to cover. In this early part of the letter to the Hebrews, it's just assumed that the two parties are God and man. It's just assumed that the two parties are at loggerheads. It's also assumed that the distance is so great that a mediator is essential now, there are clues to this, but it only really gets spelt out later on in the letter. Right here in these early verses, the writer just assumes that it's obvious to his readers. Not so with us, is it? We don't make the same assumption. At least some of us assume the exact opposite. We assume that if there is a God, he's a God of love. And I'm quite lovable. 
we think that uh, God is some sort of, we think of God as some sort of waiter, as a kind of a waiter. He'll be here for me. And he'll be here for me, uh, firstly, because I'm me and I'm worth it. I'm friendly, I'm affable, I'm likable, I'm the kind of person you would want to wait on. Secondly, he'll wait on me because it's his job after all. I mean, what else is he going to do? And thirdly, he'll wait on me because, well, there might just be something in it for him if he performs. There might just be a tip at the end. He might just get 10% of my income and maybe I'll throw in a prayer or two. That's how some of us think of God. Why would there even need to be a mediator? You don't need someone between you and the waiter. Others of us recognize the need for a mediator. We know that there's something wrong. Something, something is out in this relationship. And perhaps you're carrying a heavy burden that the problem is me. I wouldn't dare to approach God on my own. So I have to find myself a mediator. Maybe that person is a priest. Maybe it's the man of God. I can't possibly talk to God myself, but the man of God can. And so I'm going to give him 500 rand and he'll pray for me. It's money well spent. The mediator might be the Amadlozi. I've got real problems in the here and now. My finances are a mess. I'm fighting with my wife. My kids are struggling with homeschool. I need the power of an Nkulukulu exercised in my favor. And the Amadlozi have access to that power. They could be angry with me. They could be using it against me. But if I treat them right, then they could use it in my favor. I'm going to ask them. They'll mediate. So some of us see no need for a mediator. Others are desperate for a mediator. So desperate. They look around for the options. There's one more kind of person. She's a kind of halfway house. She knows there's distance between her and God, perhaps enormous distance. But she doesn't look for another mediator. She tries to cover that distance herself. She tries and tries and tries to build that bridge back to God with her own hands. She does it in a whole host of ways. She does it through volunteering for the adult literacy program. She does it by staying away from alcohol. She has a strict fitness regime. She watches her diet. She's the chair lady of her body corporate. She has her kids perfectly organized for homeschool. She makes herself worthy of others and worthy of God in all of these ways and a hundred other ways. She is her own mediator. So those are the three approaches as far as I can see it. I don't need a mediator. I'll find my own mediator. I'll be my own mediator. The writer to the Hebrews rejects all of them. Rules them out of court, emphatically. Because the community he was writing to was certainly in the habit of looking for mediators. The first time we bump into this habit is already there in the, in the fourth verse. Chapter 1, verse 4, you see it there? Angels. This community of Christian disciples were looking to angels to mediate their relationship with God. Now, we are modern people. We may need a little help understanding this. In fact, we may even need a little help understanding angels. Well, we get that help straight from our passage. Look at verse 14. 
angels are ministering spirits who serve mankind. And there in verse 7, angels are ministering spirits who serve God. They are also winds and flames of fire. In other words, they are splendid in their power. We know from the rest of the Bible that in terms of the splendor of their power, they are the most exalted of all the creatures. Put it together, and we've got a profile of angels. They are non-material, powerful beings that serve God and serve mankind. And so in that sense, they are the perfect mediators. We can completely understand why this community looks to them for mediation. For the same reasons we look to the Ahmad Lawzi as mediators. They have access to the power of God, and so they can help us. But there's more to it. Remember, this is a community of Jewish converts. The reason for their focus on angels comes from their history as the Jewish nation. You'll remember, they lost everything. They lost the land, they lost the temple, they lost their king. They were dragged off by foreign powers to foreign lands. They were in exile. And if they learned anything in exile, they learned this. Idolatry is dangerous. They learned that it is of the utmost importance to worship the one true God, God Almighty, the sovereign over the universe. During this period, they so stressed the holiness, the power, the majesty, the transcendence of God, the otherness of God, the distance between God and themselves, that they recognized their deep need for a mediator. And of course, angels were the perfect candidates. In fact, there's biblical precedent. They read in Deuteronomy that it was angels who mediated the covenant between God and Moses. Angels were powerful spiritual beings who served mankind and had access to God. Why wouldn't you choose angels? Especially if we consider that they were under pressure, that they were a community that was persecuted, that they were suffering for their faith. I mean, they were so tempted to think, doesn't Jesus need just a little help from the angels? The whole point of our passage, the reason the writer writes Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 through 14, is to remind this community that Jesus is better. In fact, it's the purpose he wrote the whole letter. Jesus is better. He's not better by degree. He's better by category. I'm not going to speak to that now. We'll cover it in the next few weeks. But let me give it to you so that you can chew over it, so that you can meditate on it. Jesus is better, not by degree, but by category. Jesus is a better mediator even than angels. That's the writer's point. He wants to stress it so much that he makes the same point in seven different ways in these few verses. And because he wants to say it in a language his readers could understand, he says it from the Jewish Bible, from, from the Old Testament. Now, just as an aside, because we're going to bump into this time and time and time again in the book of Hebrews, look at how the writer treats the scriptures. He has such a high, elevated view of the scriptures. The Bible, the scriptures, are the very words of God. Just look there in verse 5. He writes, God says, and then he quotes the scripture. In other words, in the scripture, God himself is speaking. There's something in that for us. But back to mediation. Jesus is a better mediator because 
And here are the seven reasons he gives. He's a son by nature. He is worshipped by angels. He sits on an eternal throne. He is creator, not mere creature. He will remain. He is victorious. And he's a savior. So here we go. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. He's a son by nature. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be a father. I will be to him a father. And he shall be to me a son. The first quotation there is from Psalm 2. And the second is from 2 Samuel 7. Both of those, in both of those passages, God is proclaiming that this person is or will be his son. In both of them, the person in question is the Davidic king, a king in the line of David. Now, just bear in mind, to say that someone is your son is to say that they bear the family likeness. They bear the family name. So what does it mean for the Davidic king to be the son of God? In what sense is the Davidic king bearing the family likeness? Well, when God says to the Davidic king, you are my son, it means David is godlike in his rule. He is an agent of God's own rule and reign. Now, of course, we've read the Old Testament. We've heard the stories. When it comes to David or Solomon, we know their record. And it's utterly wayward. We know the murder, the lust, the greed, the idolatry. If anything, they were sons by grace. It was a gift of the covenant. But when these words are applied to Jesus, we know from what we read last week, those first four verses, we know from last week's sermon, when these words were applied to Jesus, it's crystal clear. Jesus is not a son by grace. He's a son by nature. Only Jesus is eternally God's son. Only Jesus is a perfect agent of God's rule. Do you see now why Jesus is a better mediator than angels? Angels are created servants. Jesus is the son who rules by nature. He is better by category, not by degree. And that was good news for the Hebrews. It's good news for us. Imagine you're in prison. And you're pinning all your hopes on a presidential pardon. You've got to get a message to the president. Uh, you know two people in his inner circle. Two people. You know his chauffeur and you know his son. Now, which one are you going to pick to advocate for you? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? You're going to pick the son. The son has the father's ear. The son has the father's trust. Generally speaking, even if the relationship is strained, the son has greater access and influence with the father. How much more so in the perfect father-son relationship where there is no family baggage or politics? Jesus is a better mediator because he is God's son by nature and because he rules perfectly as God's king. Second reason he's better. He's better because he's worshipped by angels. Verse 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels worship him. With this quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 32, the writer is making the simple point 
that the angels themselves declare Jesus to be a better mediator. He's saying to his readers, you want to worship angels, but the angels themselves worship Jesus. When he was born, they worshipped him. That Old Testament quote is from the Song of Moses, which celebrates God's victories over his enemies and the cleansing of the land. We see something very similar in Luke's gospel when the heavenly armies of God praise God at the birth of Jesus. It's Luke chapter 2 verse 13 and I'll read it for you. And suddenly there was the angel, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly armies praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. God's victory will come through this baby. And so the angels worship him. The angels themselves declare Jesus to be a better mediator. Now, where does that leave our mediators? Where does that leave the Amadlosi? Now, when I was at college, there was an older man, much respected by uh, the student body, a man called Timothy Miyambo, and he was doing his PhD on ancestral worship. And after he had studied the scriptures and he had studied the culture, he concluded that the power in ancestral worship is demonic. In other words, you are not communicating with your ancestors. You are communicating with demons posing as your ancestors. So there is power there, make no mistake. And, and, and many of you who have experienced this thing firsthand, you know there's power there. But it's just not the power you might think it is. The whole hierarchy of ancestors is a cultural construct that the devil uses to enslave us. In the very same way that he uses the cultural con construct of Western materialism to enslave us. He has many traps. The devil is wily. He will use whatever it takes to enslave us. Timothy Miyambo's thesis was that the Amadlozi are not our ancestors. They are a cultural imagination captured by demons. What are demons? They are fallen angels. Now, angels do one of two things when they encounter the living Lord Jesus. They either worship or they shudder. Whichever it is, they are acknowledging Jesus is a better mediator. Three. He's better because he sits on an eternal throne. Verse 7. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. The angels are mere servants. They are powerful servants, but they are servants nonetheless. The Son sits on the throne forever. It's a quote from Psalm 95. And again, it refers to the Davidic king. Once again, the Davidic king is compared to God himself. He's even addressed as God because he is God's agent in ruling and reigning. But I just want us to notice, just to pause and notice the righteousness of his rule. Righteousness is his scepter. It's his instrument of reign. He loves righteousness. Finally, at long last, a just ruler. 
Finally, a leader who isn't corrupted by power. If absolute power corrupts absolutely, then a king who wields the power of God should be as corrupt as Satan himself. But not this king. This king exercises all power for justice. Psalm 45, I'm sure we can see now that the words of Psalm 45 are only ever fully, truly fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It seems the more power he exercised, the more he did what was good and right. And those two things normally run in opposite directions. The more power means not more goodness, not more righteousness, but more corruption. Not so with Jesus. Don't you want him as your king? Don't you want him as your mediator? Perfect in power, but also perfect in love. Fourth, Jesus is better because he is creator. Just listen to the words that the writer applies to Jesus. Verse 10. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. In Psalm 104, these words are addressed to the creator God, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. In, here in Hebrews 1, the same words are applied to Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's boy. We remember John's gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Just like he is the father's agent in ruling, so he was the father's agent in creating. Now, if we were to draw a line separating the creator from the creature, well, angels are very much on this side of the line, below the line. But Jesus obliterates the line. He breaks through the line from both sides. He is God as man. We need to be crystal clear on this because ever since the 4th century, the church has gotten this very wrong. Jehovah's Witnesses get this very wrong. Christians get this very wrong every time we treat Jesus as if he's a, just simply an ancient version of Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela or the Dalai Lama or Mother Teresa or Mahatma Gandhi. You know, Jesus, what a wonderful human being. Or... Jesus, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Jesus is a better mediator because he represents us, creatures, to the creator as creator. He was there in the beginning. Five. Jesus is a better mediator because he will remain from verse 10 again, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same and your, year, your years will have no end. Now one day, what, the, what this text is telling us is one day Jesus is going to roll up the universe like a tired old, worn, moth-eaten, dusty picnic blanket and chuck it to one side. But he will remain. And that's the universe. That's the universe. 
Astronomers estimate that there are 350 billion large galaxies in the universe. Our galaxy is of a very average size. Now, if you were to take the sun, we want to shrink this down to get it to a scale where we can begin to fathom. But if you were to take the sun and you were to shrink it down to the size of a one rand coin, our very average galaxy would still span 12 million kilometers. If our sun was the size of a one rand coin, then the nearest the next nearest star would still be 600 kilometers away. Our solar system, the body of planets orbiting around this very average star, is 36 billion times larger than the Earth. And the Earth itself is three and a half million times larger than you. Are you feeling small? I hope so. Because you are. You are small. Both in space and in time. A mere pinprick. Stephen Hawking said, we are just an advanced breed of monkeys on a minor planet of a very average star. He was right about one thing. The spirit of humility. When you look around at this world, when you look up at the world, that this extraordinary world that God has made, humility. Humility. And the Bible got there long before Hawking. The Bible describes you and I as a mist, a shadow, a vapor, a withering plant, a breath. You get the picture. Here today, gone tomorrow. But we don't see it that way, do we? When I was at university, I had a friend who died in a drunk driving car accident. And I remember uh, at the funeral, after the funeral, uh, standing, chatting to his father, who was telling me through tears that this guy thought he was bulletproof. He thought it was never going to end. He thought he was immortal. Now, you don't have to be 21 to think that way. I know many 70-year-olds who think that way. They pretend it's never going to end. They're in total denial of their mortality. And even if they do acknowledge it, we tend to have a kind of Hollywood picture of what the end is going to be like. You know, we're going to go out in glory. Our hospital room is going to be crowded. People are going to be spilling out into the corridor. They're going to be gathered around our bed, uh, weeping, wailing, singing our praises as we pass with serenity and dignity. The reality is that we may be gagging for breath, covered in sweat or blood or feces. And I'm not trying to be gory and I'm not trying to be morbid. But death is not always pretty and peaceful. We may be scared, alone, full of regret. You see, we are small and fragile. And death is a nasty intruder that comes to us all. We have 70, 80, 90 years at best. And then we're gone. And in two generations, it's like we never existed. Who remembers yesterday's shadow? We have 70, 80, 90 years. The universe has billions of years. But Jesus is going to roll it up like a blanket. He's going to cast it aside like an old t-shirt. Only Jesus remains. If I need a mediator, and I do, I want him.
6. Jesus is a better mediator because he wins. Verse 13. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? It's a quote from Psalm 110. That is the chapter most quoted in the New Testament. Of all the Old Testament chapters, Psalm 110 is the most quoted chapter. And once again, what we have is the Davidic king seated at the right hand of God as an agent of God, enjoying the victory of God. And once again, when it is applied to Jesus, it applies perfectly. The king enjoys an exalted status at the right hand of God. The enemies of the king the enemies of the king's people are vanquished. They are utterly defeated. And the book of Hebrews makes it crystal clear who the enemies of the king and the king's people are. Sin, Satan, death. These are formidable enemies. But there's an even bigger enemy lurking behind them. You find it in all the warning passages in Hebrews. And that enemy is the wrath of God himself. Some people are confused about what salvation actually is, but not the writer to the Hebrews. We'll talk more about this next week. For now, it's enough to say that God's wrath is the biggest enemy to be overcome. It is the very reason we need a mediator to begin with. And this mediator, this Jesus, through his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of God, has overcome. He has overcome. He is victorious. He is seated on his throne. Angels could never win this victory. They are mere creatures. They are mere servants. Our seventh reason, our final reason, says as much. Jesus is better because he's saviour. Verse 14, are angels not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Angels are spirits sent by God to serve those who will inherit salvation. Our passage is bracketed, top and tailed if you like, by Jesus sitting at the right hand of God as the exalted Savior King, who has secured an inheritance for his people. So verse 3 and 4 says, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. That's the top end. Here's the tail. Verse, verses 13 and 14 say, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand? until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Do you see it? If you look at verses 3 and 4, you have an almost perfect match for them in verses 13 to 14. Almost every element is there. So you have a match for Jesus sitting at the right hand. You have this comparison between the king and the angels. You have the inheritance. The only thing at the end that we don't find at the beginning is the word salvation. What is salvation? Well, we go back to the beginning where it describes salvation 
In other words, there it is in verse 3. Purification for sins. That is our salvation. Our sins are purified. And we are rescued from the wrath of God. Jesus is a better mediator because he is both king and savior. That's it. That's the case. And I think it is watertight. It is emphatic. Jesus is a better mediator than angels. Just bear in mind that angels are the best mediators there are in the created order. It doesn't get any better than angels. Doesn't that say a lot to you? That even angels weren't enough? Doesn't it make us pause and think just how far is the distance between God and me? Not even angels can bridge that gap. Just how far is that distance? Doesn't it make you wonder just how offensive is my sin? That the Father must send His one and only Son, His Son by nature, to make purification for my sin in the most difficult, painful, traumatic, grueling way imaginable. I hope you think about that. And then I hope you also stop to think. You know, the distance between God and me is not just a measure of my sin. It's also a measure of his love. Finally, doesn't it make you think just how pathetic our mediators are? How could I ever, ever begin to imagine that God is my waiter? It's blasphemous. How could I ever want to go to my priest when I could go to Jesus? The Amadlozi, who are they? What are they? I don't need them. And as for building my own bridge back to God, it's ridiculous, it's pathetic, it's tragic. I would sooner be able to build a sandcastle to the moon than to work my way back to God. There are many mediators. Whoever your mediator is, Jesus is better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, your one and only son by nature, your son by nature. We thank you that he has made us sons and daughters by grace. Thank you that by your spirit we are invited into your father-son relationship. Lord, we have no place there. But your nature is loving and merciful. And in Jesus, you have covered the distance between us. Father, some of us, you know all too well, Lord, that some of us are still enslaved to other mediators. Some of us are under the illusion that we don't need a mediator. Or that we can choose our own mediator. Or that we can be our own mediator. Father, rescue us. Save us from our sinful folly. Save us by the saving person and work of the Savior King. We pray, we can only pray, in the name of the one true mediator, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
been good to be with you all this morning. Um, I hope that you'll be joining one of our life groups for a coffee hangout after the after the service. Uh, if you're not part of a life group, don't worry. Just uh, look it up on the list and uh, contact a life group leader, and they will be more than willing to add you uh, to the Zoom meeting or whatever platform they're meeting on. Uh, we just gather in our life groups to uh, discuss the sermon and to have over a cup of coffee, as we would if we were physically together. So please consider doing that. Join a coffee hangout and um, spend some time in fellowship with other believers. Otherwise, God bless you all. Have a good, uh, productive week in the Lord, and we'll gather again next Sunday. Take care. Your faith can move the mountains